Some people love to be frightened as long as it's in a controlled environment. That's why Halloween haunted houses can be such money makers. But where did the modern idea of a haunted house originate? Find out on this episode of The Dark Side of. If you like what you hear and want to listen to more episodes, follow The Dark Side of free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Due to the graphic nature of this podcast, listener discretion is advised. This episode features discussions of traumatic situations and staged violence. We advise extreme caution for listeners under 13. Fear. A sensation usually avoided at all costs. That is, unless it's under the right conditions. There are some exceptions. When it comes to watching horror movies, dressing in spooky costumes on Halloween, or even telling ghost stories around the campfire, we love to be scared. We chase the feeling even. It seems that so long as we know we're safe, we feel confident to indulge in our own fear. It brings on an adrenaline-pumping rush of blood to the head as our fight-or-flight responses kick in. It's a confidence boost. We've survived what frightens us. Humans have been finding ways to scare each other for centuries. It's not so hard to imagine that even back in prehistoric days, early humans might have snuck up on each other in the caves just for their own amusement. Today, though times have certainly changed, nothing illustrates our desire to be scared more than a good old-fashioned haunted house. Millions of people all over the world pack into these dark, foggy buildings each year. The combination of actors in gruesome costumes and dramatic lighting, all set against eerie backdrops, is more than enough to send chills down any spine. On the surface, they provide sheer thrill. Decadent indulgence packaged as ghosts and monsters. But every haunted house has its decrepit rooms. From their origins in the 19th century to today's most extreme incarnations, a seediness lurks within these bastions of the sinister. Despite this, and the potential of knowing the scares waiting inside are very real, we keep lining up. We want to feel afraid. Welcome to The Dark Side Of, a Spotify original from Parcast, a show where we will delve into the seedy underbelly of pop culture icons and historical events. We aim to expose the ugly truth behind cultural moments and public figures we hold most dear, proving that there is always more to the story than meets the eye. I'm your host, Richard. And I'm Kate. You can find all episodes of The Dark Side Of and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. To ease us into the Halloween season, we'll be diving into the dark side of our own fear through the lens of the world of horror. Over the next three weeks, we'll explore some of the more curious topics that scare and fascinate us, and why. And we'll learn about the strange and dark history of some of our favorite pieces of horror lore. Today, we're exploring one of Halloween's season's most reliable and terrifying attractions, the Haunted House. From family Halloween attractions to traumatic, extreme haunts, We'll learn how haunted houses have found their calling cashing in on 
and sometimes even exploiting our love of being scared. Coming up, we'll get into the early foundations of fright. Stay with us. For centuries, humans have been wary of the places where people once died. There was an understanding that, potentially, malevolent spirits stayed behind to torment the living. From old houses to shadowy graveyards to lakes where people have drowned, the idea of a supernaturally cursed place persists. It crosses cultures around the entire world. The Haunted House is a modern-day embodiment of the archetypal cursed place, a dark, abandoned building at the end of the street that might contain something terrifying is usually the image that comes to mind. The psychological torment of old houses is very real. It lies in the ambiguous nature of the threat it might pose. When approaching a creepy, dilapidated house, you're never sure if you should be scared or what exactly you should be scared of. Which goes against the very nature of what we're seeing. A home is something safe and comforting. This contrast creates many tensions, the most powerful being dread and anticipation. For many people, the terror is absolutely intoxicating. Perhaps to combat this, the modern haunted house isn't just a scary-looking building on the edge of town. Creating the perfect backdrop for housing fear has become an entire industry with years of history to draw upon. The business of haunted houses arguably traces back to Europe in the 1800s. Over the course of the century, a few enterprising entertainers realized something quite lucrative. They could make a handsome profit off of scaring the living daylights out of their customers. In 1802, crowds in London packed inside Madame Tussauds' so-called Chamber of Horrors, featuring wax sculptures of famous decapitated figures from the French Revolution. These were all the more horrifying for how lifelike they appeared. They seemed so real that some believed that the figures were created from the actual corpses. By 1897, the Grand Guignol Theatre in Paris took the business of terror to new heights. They horrified audiences with depictions of violence and gore so realistic that numerous people passed out during each performance. Rumors soon sparked that the theatre wasn't just putting on a show, the carnage on stage was real. Of course, the theater's director was happy to encourage these rumors alongside the reports of audience members fainting. Both were free, juicy advertising for his unconventional theater. The Grand Guignol even took these headlines and wove them back into performances. The company used clever special effects and fake blood to truly frighten their audience. Nothing was off-limits. They went so far as to reenact recent, real murders. Audiences could read about killings in the morning paper, then see them performed on stage that night. The grim business model worked. Parisians flocked to the theater, hoping to see something that really got under their skin. By the early 20th century, the theater of the macabre had made its way to the United States. The opportunity to create new fear-based entertainment began to take shape. 
Unsurprisingly, the origin of haunted houses in America is closely tied to the evolution of Halloween. The holiday first became popular in the United States in the late 19th century, driven by Irish and Scottish immigrants. Those communities celebrated the existing holiday of All Hallows' Eve with old Celtic traditions, including dressing up and pulling pranks. As the tradition spread, Halloween morphed into a night of youthful rebellion. But while that was all fun and games for the kids, it began to cause serious and more sinister problems for the adults. Conflicts between trick-or-treaters and their unamused elders escalated. Pranks spiraled into destructive territory, from throwing rocks at houses to shutting off power grids. In 1924, trick-or-treaters in Chicago tried to prank police officers by leaving obstructions in front of their motorcycles. Their little practical joke, though, didn't end in a laugh. Two officers were killed in a fatal crash. In the Windy City, Halloween soon became synonymous with violence. The holiday often brought about numerous cases of arson and police shootings. By the 1930s, parents were fed up with roving bands of prank-pulling kids inciting chaos on Halloween. Many were concerned that these pranks could become gateways to gang violence. So the adults decided to fight fire with fire. They needed a new tradition to keep their children occupied, though contained, while still celebrating Halloween. Thus, the haunted house was born. At first, these homemade attractions weren't very spectacular. They were little more than darkened hallways, some eerie noises, and the occasional man in a costume tasked with jumping out to frighten guests. Though these scares were relatively tame, there was another form of thrill-seeking entertainment that had developed in America in the 1860s. Traveling carnivals. By attending traveling carnivals, spectators could see what mysterious and sometimes taboo attractions were offered. While carnivals often had their own low-rent haunted houses, the most chilling draw was the so-called freak show. There, audiences were invited to gasp in horror at people who were deemed as having unusual appearances, typically people with physical disabilities. These freak shows were, of course, highly discriminatory and often exploitative of the people exhibited. In many cases, carnivals were the only places where they could find regular work. But even the fringe benefit of employing marginalized people couldn't outweigh a culture of ridiculing people with disabilities. People weren't scared so much by monsters or freaks. What really frightened them was the idea of being an outsider. Those with physical disabilities were seen as subhuman, and people paid good money to be spooked by strangers they didn't recognize. The effect was both vain and vicious. It gave them a subtle confidence boost to be reminded that they were not a so-called freak. And so these individuals were demeaned and dehumanized, all in the name of entertainment and a quick buck. After the Great Depression and World War II, carnivals and freak shows widely fell out of favor. Good riddance, most might say. The haunted house attraction, however, did just the opposite. Its popularity ballooned. 
they continued to fulfill their original purpose as an alternative to youthful mischief. In fact, they did a little too well. Teenagers didn't want to destroy buildings or prank policemen on Halloween anymore. Instead, they wanted to venture out to new and unexplored realms to be thoroughly and completely scared. To spots like the Winchester Mystery House in San Jose, California. The structure was once an eight-room farmhouse that Sarah Winchester, heir to the Winchester Repeating Arms fortune, remodeled into a grandiose Victorian-style mansion. According to legend, she believed that she was haunted by the ghosts of those killed by the rifles that built her family's fortune. In the 1950s, even Walt Disney visited the Winchester Mystery House. He was so overtaken with the mystery of it all that it became one of the main inspirations for the Haunted Mansion attraction at Disneyland. But this one wouldn't be like the cheap haunted houses that people were used to. This one would be state-of-the-art. And of course, it would have its own special Disney touch. In 1969, after nearly 20 years of planning and development, the Haunted Mansion attraction at Disneyland in Anaheim finally opened. It became an overnight sensation. The Haunted Mansion broke new ground on the very tentpoles Disney himself had promised. It wasn't just a few cheap, scary images or performances of fake violence. It used state-of-the-art special effects to put the audience right in the middle of a haunted house that felt real. Experiencing the authenticity of the Haunted Mansion inspired a new generation of children and haunted house enthusiasts. Throughout the 1970s and 80s, elaborate new haunted houses popped up all across the United States. It's no coincidence that during the same period, Halloween became one of the most widely celebrated holidays in America. Which is certainly true today. Halloween is one of the most popular and profitable holidays on the calendar, celebrated by over 170 million Americans. Nearly $10 billion is spent each year on candy, costumes, and decorations. Everything about Halloween in recent years has become bigger and more outlandish. So, of course, haunted houses have expanded to follow suit. Business is booming, with allegedly over 4,000 ticketed haunted house attractions open in the United States. The biggest haunts can average tens of thousands of guests a year and bring in nearly $300 million in revenue. With their evolution into the extreme over the past decade, a new type of haunted house has emerged. After all, bolder and unexpected tactics are necessary to keep guests frightened. To keep fear enthusiasts returning year after year, the ante has ramped up. The line between a safe piece of make-believe and a terrifying and dangerous experience has become blurry, to say the least. Coming up, we'll explore the dark world of extreme haunts. Now back to the story. By the early 2000s, a new breed of haunted house began appearing across America. These fresh, modern installations promised to make participants feel real fear without any of the expected Halloween hokiness. Newer haunts promised to make the lines between reality and fiction 
nearly indistinguishable. They made participants feel as though they had really walked into their own personal horror movie. These experiences are called extreme haunts, and as the name suggests, they are not for the faint of heart. Artists Josh Randall and Chris Thor were of the mind that traditional haunted houses just weren't getting the job done anymore. They wanted to create something truly terrifying. So in 2009, Randall and Thor developed what they called an immersive horror experience titled Blackout. Their New York City-based pièce de résistance promised to push the boundaries of what a haunted house could be. Their installation continues to run each year, shape-shifting to bring a terrifying new offering to guests. The thrills begin before visitors are even allowed inside the blackout experience. Guests are first required to sign a lengthy waiver. It acknowledges that they will face graphic scenes of simulated extreme horror. And furthermore, it indicates they consent to be physically touched and restrained by the actors inside. Once they enter the haunt, participants are then separated and placed at the mercy of actors acting as their torturers. They can be bound, gagged, and have hoods thrown over their heads. Guests have been tied down and had water poured down their throat to simulate waterboarding. They are thrown around by actors, forced to crawl through dark hallways, and slammed into walls. Anyone entering Blackout, reviews Warren, should expect to leave with dirty clothes and a few bruises. The actors also often perform their acts of theatrical torment while nude, adding an extra taboo-breaking element to the haunt. In light of this, the blackout experience has attracted significant criticism for featuring scenes of simulated sexual assault. One reviewer described witnessing the false assault as the purest horror moment of the experience. It couldn't have been spelled out more clearly. Haunted houses had evolved from cheap thrills to sources of real, lasting trauma. Of course, for many, that feeling was the exact reason they wanted to visit such an extreme haunt. But this contrast reveals the irony at play. Even while chasing extreme thrills, some people still want an escape hatch. To ensure safety, guests are given a safe word they can use to stop the experience if they become overwhelmed. To offer a safe word, or multiple variants that tell the actors to stop, has become standard at extreme haunts. Except for one. There is one experience where no such language is used, or it's sporadically enforced at best. One extreme haunt stands above the rest in all its infamy. McCamey Manor has staked its claim on the world of commercialized horror as the most intense and extreme house in the country, if not the world. From the very first page of its website, it's clear that McCamey Manor is unlike any other horror experience. The manor lists several requirements for any potential visitors. These include passing a background check and having a doctor's note attesting to their physical and mental well-being. On another page titled simply, Warning, 
the proprietors of McCamey Manor make sure to state blatantly that their operation is not a standard haunted house. Instead, the experience is described as survival horror theater, which promises to challenge its guests mentally and physically until they reach their breaking point. Those bold enough to visit McCamey Manor at either of its two locations, in Alabama and Tennessee, must first sign a 40-page waiver, pass a background test, and pass an interview screening. Then, before the experience begins, they're required to watch a two-hour-long video of past visits to the manor. The video, titled And Then There Were None, inundates viewers with an overwhelming montage of guests being brutalized. They watch previous visitors as they were brought to tears and eventually quit the experience. Guests are shown covered in grime, blood, or paint, goggles shielding their eyes and duct tape crossing their mouths as they beg to be released from the experience. Afterwards, each guest turns to address the camera. Soberly, they repeat the same words. You really don't want to do this. Only after completing this entire process are thrill-seekers who still want to venture into the manor allowed their chance. A visit to the McCamey Manor begins with a staged abduction. Guests are pulled into a van where mask-wearing actors tie them up and throw a bag over their heads. Then the torture begins. Each visit is different. The people behind the McCamey Manor experience purposely meet with guests beforehand in order to tailor the event to each guest's specific fears. The limits are seemingly non-existent. Guests can be beaten, hypnotized, held underwater, gagged, and even forced to eat their own vomit. To fully bring some visitors to their breaking points, McCamey Manor has even shaved their heads, a psychologically vindictive act if there ever was one. Those guests then return home with a clear reminder of their traumatic ordeal each time they look in a mirror. The ordeals inside the manor are decidedly personal. Each guest is forced to grapple with a challenge tailor-made to their nightmares. Some participants have described being locked inside coffins filled with spiders and cockroaches, then buried underground. Others have been thrown into a tank of dark water filled with eels or forced to crawl through raw sewage. Which makes it all the more egregious to learn that every second of their traumatizing experience is filmed. The experience can last up to 10 hours, depending on how much torture the guest can withstand. If they make it through the entire stint without quitting, McCamey Manor offers them a $20,000 prize. No one has ever won. Unbelievably, there's one more experience on the Manor's menu. The most intense version is deemed No Mercy. Guests are not granted any safe word, and their time inside the house lasts as long as the manor's employees decide. For those that choose this route, they seem genuinely thrilled. They claim it delivers exactly what they signed up for, to feel as if they are protagonists inside a real-life horror movie. One guest, while considering a return visit, 
compared the challenge of McCamey Manor to summiting Mount Everest. To endure the house was a badge of courage, a testament to their physical and mental stamina. Given the concept's gruesome core, you might expect the creator of McCamey Manor to be a sadistic mastermind. But in reality, the creator of the most extreme haunted house in the world is oddly tame. Russ McCamey is a mild-mannered Navy veteran. He claims he's been obsessed with haunted houses since he was a child. During his 23-year career in the Navy, McCamey even found time to construct small haunted houses on ships while at sea. After he retired, McCamey began working as a veteran's advocate. In his spare time, he began building haunted houses inside his suburban home in San Diego. Over the years, he became more and more obsessed with bottling the experience of pure fear. His quest to truly terrify people takes precedence over anything else. In fact, the manor operates as a nonprofit. McCamey doesn't charge entry fees for his haunt. The only required payment for guests is some food for his dogs. In the eyes of his fans, this system is what makes the haunt pure. They believe Russ McCamey is in the business for the love or terror of the game. For others, though, it's proof that McCamey simply loves torturing people in his spare time. They're skeptical of his claims that his earnest passion is simply honing terror that can be returned to over and over again. Some also doubt that the experiences are safe or even simulated as they claim to be. Which has attracted intense criticism online. Some people accuse the manor of being much worse than an extreme haunted house. They liken it to an actual torture chamber. Online, founder Russ McCamey has been accused of being a sadistic sociopath. Comments have alleged that he specifically hires sex offenders or people with violent pasts to work as so-called actors. Even more insidious, some have speculated that many of the employees are themselves former McCamey Manor visitors. Supposedly, these former guests sign up in order to dish out the same violence they experienced, forming a vicious cycle of torture and abuse within the manor. Russ McCamey hasn't publicly addressed many of these allegations. He simply refers to the critics as haters and continues to run his business, claiming he's simply doing what he loves, terrifying willing participants. Still, haters have caused numerous problems for McCamey Manor. In 2015, after losing his job and looking for ways to cut costs, McCamey tried moving his haunt to the small town of McLeansboro, Illinois. But when locals caught wind of their new controversial neighbor, they responded with outrage. In McCamey's own words, the people of McLeansboro went berserk. Horrified by the reputation of McCamey Manor, locals sent clear and even violent messages that his business wasn't welcome. He claimed the windows of his house were shot out in addition to threats to destroy the property and even ones on his own life. Ultimately, McCamey moved his haunt to two new locations in Huntsville, Alabama and Summertown, Tennessee. 
But even a move didn't end the controversy and opposition that continued to hound him. Coming up, local police are called to investigate the new McCamey Manor. Now, back to the story. Just a few weeks after opening his Tennessee haunted house, local police arrived at creator Russ McCamey's home. They'd been called to investigate after a neighbor witnessed a screaming woman pulled from her vehicle and dragged onto the property. McCamey and the woman explained that it was all part of a haunted house experience. Apparently satisfied with this explanation, the police left. But after that incident, locals continued to complain to the police about McCamey Manor. The blood-curdling screams emanating from the property late at night and the mock kidnappings on nearby streets were impossible to ignore. Which has led Russ McCamey to be extremely careful. These days, he claims he tells law enforcement when he's staging an abduction in order to avoid public misunderstandings. Though it's done little to assuage his neighbors, who still want the authorities to shut down his haunt. According to the local district attorney general, McCamey hasn't committed any actual crimes. The legality of McCamey's operation, though, did reach a new pinnacle in 2019. An online petition began circulating, demanding that the Alabama and Tennessee governments shut down McCamey Manor. The petition currently has over 160,000 signatures. The petition alleges that alongside the promised psychological torment, McCamey also injects his guests with drugs, causes fractured bones, and even allows sexual assault to occur at the hands of his employees during the experiences. In reply, McCamey cites his videos as proof of his legitimacy. He claims the tapes show there is no actual torture and that guests are never in any actual danger. But the creator has also largely avoided commenting on some of the most egregious allegations against him, including that he specifically hires individuals with violent histories to act as tormentors inside. Still, despite the sporadic legal inquiries into Russ McCamey's conduct, the accusations of real torture and danger haven't hurt the manor's business. In fact, they've only increased its mystique and popularity. The waitlist to experience the manor has reportedly swelled to around 24,000 in recent years. McCamey Manor, just like its early predecessors, has become a magnet for thrill-seekers. It dangles the unknown to those who dare to find out what's real and what isn't. Horror often returns to its roots, and one common thread connects the past and present of the attractions we've covered so far. They all aim to defy cultural taboos. But that spirit of flaunting norms, when combined with the heightened nature of the experience and potential alcohol usage by adult visitors, can sometimes make these houses truly dangerous places. And frighteningly, haunts can also become ideal targets for people who want to take advantage of the loose atmosphere for their own nefarious purposes. In 2014, 52-year-old Daniel Rossman paid for a ticket to the abandoned haunted house in Mount Pleasant, Wisconsin. 
But once he entered the attraction, he was on a mission to scare other participants himself. Rossman wandered through the haunted house and inappropriately touched around eight men and women seemingly at random. After security guards realized what was happening, they tracked Rossman down and pulled him out. But the damage was done. He was arrested and charged with three counts of fourth-degree sexual assault, as well as lewd and lascivious behavior and disorderly conduct. His case stands as a clear and disturbing example of someone exploiting the ambiguous atmosphere of a haunted house for his own twisted pleasure. Sadly, Rossman was just one instance of many, some of which are far darker. On October 11, 2016, a woman from Oswego, Illinois, brought her teenage daughter and three other children to a haunted house called The Massacre. As they walked through the parking lot toward the ticket window, two men dressed as clowns approached them. The clowns, employees of the haunted house, began harassing and taunting the family. One of the men targeted the woman's daughter, poking her with a teddy bear that had a sex toy attached. Terrified, the woman rushed the children back into her car and called the police. The man with the teddy bear was arrested later that night and ultimately charged with battery and disorderly conduct. What had started as a fun night out before Halloween ended likely in trauma and anxiety that would follow the family for years. The potential for abuse and misconduct at these attractions can also seep back to the people working behind the scenes. Performers who work in haunts often find themselves at the mercy of rowdy, abusive, and even violent guests. Take Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios in Orlando, for example. There, actors in costume have reported being punched, kicked, and even sexually assaulted by the people they were hired to scare. Bad behavior is so rampant that the park has special training and systems in place specifically to deal with the harassment it expects will come. During shows, actors in Orlando, presumably to warn each other about guests, have a system of holding up their fingers to indicate the severity of abuse from 1 to 10. Most of the violence is accidental, participants reacting badly to being scared and lashing out. But some attacks are decidedly more sinister. Some troublemakers deliberately plan to abuse the actors. These guests then return to the attraction multiple times in order to figure out the best places to attack, harass, or even grope actors. At Universal Studios Singapore's version of Halloween Horror Nights, this problem has been particularly egregious. One actor reported being sexually assaulted by guests, while others have reported being punched and kicked repeatedly. To address this issue, Many haunted houses across the country have installed hidden cameras at nearly every corner of their attractions. The hope is that the surveillance will keep their actors safe, or at least make sure they can catch whoever tries to harass them. But regardless of special training, security cameras, and safety protocols, a certain level of risk cannot be mitigated in the business of scaring people. While it's horribly sobering to know that actors are sometimes brutalized and sexually assaulted on the job, 
Haunted houses have provided cover for violence on a much more dire scale at times. One such example is Staten Island's Kreischer Mansion. The historic landmark was built by a wealthy German brick manufacturer named Balthasar Kreischer in 1885. According to the legend, the years after the house was completed were filled with tragedy for the Kreischer family. In a whirlwind of tragedy, Baron Balthasar died in 1886, followed by the suicide of his youngest son Edward in 1894. Then, his eldest son Charles's house burned to the ground, and later, as legend has it, one of the family's cooks was murdered in the kitchen. In the centuries since, the Kreischer Mansion has gained a reputation for being full of ghosts and other malevolent spirits. These tales of doom have transformed it into a popular Halloween destination. In 2005, a caretaker of the Kreischer Mansion, Joseph Young, accepted a side gig from New York City's Bonanno crime family. The job was to kill one of the crime family's enemies. On the night of March 29, 2005, Joseph Young invited a man named Robert McKelvey to the Kreischer Mansion. There, he and three others attacked McKelvey. Inside the house, Young first tried to strangle him and then stabbed him. But McKelvey managed to scramble into the yard outside. Young pursued his victim, grabbing McKelvey's head and forcing it under the water of a grave-shaped ornamental pool on the property. Young held him there until he drowned. In a sickening twist, after McKelvey was dead, Young and his crew reportedly went out to Dunkin' Donuts to celebrate. They returned to the mansion to bring the body to the basement, where they chopped it into pieces with hacksaws. They then burned it in the home's furnace. McKelvey's murder went unsolved until one of Young's associates revealed what happened to the police, who later arrested both Young and his accomplices. The local media nicknamed Young the Haunted House Slayer during his trial. He was eventually sentenced to life in prison for his crime. But today, however, few consider the gravity and depravity of what occurred that night. Instead, what happened is just another ghost story to spook visitors at the haunted Kreischer Mansion. The fear evoked from in-person frights at McCamey Manor, or even just by word-of-mouth tales from Kreischer Mansion, indicate one thing. Fear is an undeniably powerful emotion, one of the most potent on the human spectrum. It can be exploited, indulged, or used to cause destruction. And it's also true that fear can have its upsides. It can create similar feelings to positive, adrenaline-pumping experiences. Haunted houses then lie in the gray area, since they find a way to meld those two extremes. They offer a route for us to experience our own fears in what appears to be a safe, controlled environment. They provide a release from the everyday anxieties of normal life. But because they hinge upon exploiting the most vulnerable parts of the human psyche, the potential for them to tip into dark and dangerous places remains. Whether or not you decide to step into the depths of what frightens you, to discover the horrors lying within will always be your choice. 
You know what potentially terrifying thrills wait inside. Choose carefully. Thanks for listening. Next week, we'll be back to discuss the horrors of Hollywood. Not the monstrous plastic surgery or morbid life choices, but the real-life scares behind horror films. You can find more episodes of The Dark Side Of and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll see you next time. The Dark Side Of was created by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Nick Johnson, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of The Dark Side Of was written by Ryan Lee, with writing assistance by Kate Gallagher, and stars Kate Leonard and Richard Rosner. <laughs>